And welcome back, everybody, to the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. I think this is something you want to know. You may not realize you want to know it, but it is something you're going to want to know. And I'm Nate Johnstone, and this is Paul Anderson with me. Hello, Nate. Hey. And if you're watching, uh, we're not in the same room uh, right now. And if you aren't watching and are listening, you can check it out on YouTube because you can watch it instead. If watching two people talk is more exciting to you than listening to two people talk, which it is for me personally, but for some, maybe not. So that's why we have both. And we have been talking about thinking generationally, which mm-hmm. as I shared in, in a previous week is not something I grew up with any sort of grit about at all. And first started seeing it really with my, my wife-to-be and her family, which is also your in-laws, Paul, because mm-hmm. I married Paul and Karen's niece, for those that don't know that. And Karen's niece. Karen, technically by blood, Karen's niece, yes, um, because you two are not related, <laughs> technically, yeah. you know, from that point of view, genetically. Uh, so, okay, that's a little, little detour. <laughs> um, that's the first place I saw thinking and saw people thinking generationally and, and something Phil and Margaret did, it's something you and Karen obviously do. Um, and and I, I've seen it in some of your kids as well with their kids. Um, last time Drew uh, Shep was over, uh, he's a pastor at Substance. For those of you who might know Drew, he, he was over with his kids and some of the other, some of your other kids with their kids were over here at the lake. And just the way he was interacting with his kids and he mentioned you and he was, I, I wish I could remember the specific example because it would have been perfect for right now. But uh, he, he connected that generationally. And I'm like, yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. Now Paul's, Paul's sons-in-law and daughters-in-law are doing it as well. And I have no doubt that Judah and Eden and like all that generation of kids will do it as well. And it's, it's a really wonderful thing. And it's something that you inherited, I dare say from your parents and probably grandparents. I don't know much about your grandparents or great grandparents, but I know Sarah did. She inherited from as far back as Martin Luther, probably (laughs) the the first Lutheran in Norway and Finland and Sweden were all her relatives. And I think that's wonderful. That's not my story. My parents are both first generation Christians. If you go back in the family tree, we have Christians, which is wonderful. Um, The first, Johnson in America, who changed their name from Johnson to Johnson, was one of the leaders in the local Quaker community. And if you don't know mm. much about Quakers, back in the day when they started, they were the first charismatics. And uh, they were highly persecuted. And so they left uh, to come to America, where it was easier to be whatever you felt God wanted you to be. At, yeah. that, time, at that time, at least. We won't comment on on today if we're not going there um i do want to go somewhere though close to that paul if you don't mind uh go for it i don't think this is a detour but it's not a fully formed thought so i'd like to start a discussion and maybe we can do a whole series on it later but we're talking about thinking generationally i keep thinking back to the american dream Mm -hmm. right the american dream is a story as old as america and this idea that you can work really hard and apply yourself and put in a little sacrifice and you can better yourself, better your position in America, in the world. And in more recent years, part of that has become retirement and the concept that you work as hard as you can and then you can play for, the, for your you know, last couple decades or whatever it is. And you can 
So you, you earned it, and now you get to party um, at the end. And I, I feel like I see some similarities in what we're talking about with thinking generationally from the biblical point of view, but I also see a lot of differences. And I'm not trying to offend anybody. I love America. <laughs> I am a strong American. My wife was a major in the U.S. Air Force. Um, I wonder, though, about the American dream and whether or not that is in some ways a perversion mm -hmm. of this concept of thinking generationally because at least the way the American dream is often portrayed is selfish, very selfish. I want to earn as much as I can for me. And what it has become at least is pretty materialistic mm -hmm. and selfish, maybe greedy even, and this concept of make as much as you can and then retire well and then you just sit on a beach and relax for the rest of your life. When I read the biblical examples of people that you see living lives, I don't see that ever. The concept of retirement, I don't see in the Bible that concept at all. Maybe I'm missing it, and I haven't studied this a lot yet, but I don't see it. And I don't see a concept of get as much as you can for you to better your position. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying it's bad to try to get a job that makes money. We all need to make money. And the more money you make, the more money you can give and you can bless a lot of people. And that's all wonderful stuff. Um, but I don't know, I, more and more lately, and especially now with this topic that we've been talking about, I've been wondering if the whole American dream thing resembled biblical truth, but was actually a lie. What do you, what, what do you think? That's a huge, like, huge bomb to throw at you. Um, you make me want to preach. Okay, preach it, please. I, I, I I'm interested really in what you want to have to say. Preach on this because I am sad that people who could be mentoring young people, who could be effectively passing the baton to physical or spiritual children, have felt, have been made to feel in some cases by their church. Uh, that this is the time of retirement when you sit back and you do less than you've done. Mm -hmm. But what we see in the examples of Scripture is people who are hitting the tape, doing what God has called them to do. Look at Moses. Uh, that, that's a racing metaphor for those who don't realize. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hitting the tape and, and have, not saying, okay, the last, 30 years, I get to rest, I get to retire, and I get to sit yeah. back. That's, that's not a concept that the Bible speaks of. And I, I'm, not, I'm not against vacation, by the way. I, I think it's important to refresh your soul. Sabbath is a big concept in the Bible. Um, but I don't think you, there's an analogy to say retirement is like a Sabbath. You work for six years, and then you take the seventh off. You work for 60 years, and you take your last decade off. Um, people have said that, and I... I'm like, oh, that could be true. That could be an interesting idea, except that I find zero, literally zero examples of that in scripture, which makes you feel like it's not true. I, I take advantage of opportunities to speak to the older generation of which I am a part, and I urge them to consider the opportunities that exist to mentor the younger. Scripture in yep. Timothy and Titus speak about that, that the older should be encouraging the younger. And that may be uh, bring fear in your heart. Well, what would I say to them? God will give you what you need to say. You just tell them how you're living. Tell, tell them about what you learned as a young person. Tell them what you 
be vulnerable and share with them where you messed up. That would really bring grace yes. to these younger people. You have to pass on your failures. You can't just pass on what you've learned and your successes. You have to pass on your failures. And I, I try to do that with my kids when I can. I, I, think I, I think I need to become more intentional about it though. All, this whole topic actually has gotten me to think that I think I'm doing some of this, but I need to be more intentional about it. Nate. I think I need to give this some thought and actually write down a plan of like, how will this happen? Because, you know, it's not just going to happen. <laughs> I need to be intentional about it and actually try to make it happen. Karen and I love the way you're parenting, you and Sarah. We comment on it because we see right there in church, here's Kaylee on the worship team. And uh, when I ask questions, uh, Andrew is one of the first to respond. I love what you're doing with your kids. So I think you're doing a great job of running the race and passing the baton. And this can, talking about this can bring a, a level of guilt, a level mm -hmm. of fear. And I would want to say, we're not asking you to do what you can't do. We're asking you to walk in a way that allows God to give you what you need to say to your kids, to speak with your grandkids and say, you know, here are some things that I learned. Here are some things I did wrong. Here are some things I did right to be vulnerable, vulnerable to be open is a wonderful opportunity to connect with your kids and give them grace. They're going to run their race better if they have a father, a grandfather, a mother, Absolutely. a grandmother that are connecting with them. And I think I shared with you, Nate, that when I was on the way down to Brazil in the middle of February, came back close to when the whole virus set that, in. That was cutting it pretty close. Is that, it? Was, that was real close. On the way down, I heard the Lord speak to me and say, in this season, you have a responsibility for your children and grandchildren. And so I have chosen not to say that I'm not going to do any more traveling, but my primary responsibility, I'm a, I'm a pastor at Lydia House, as you are, and I'll continue to do that with strength and vigor as God gives it to me. But I'm also deliberate about talking with Karen and saying, what can we do today for our children? I'm writing more emails, more texts. I'm sending them more articles. I'm meeting with them more. I'm, here's my opportunity. Whatever years God gives me, I want to make sure that they have what they need so that they can give it to their kids and their grandkids. That's so awesome. So you're, you're doing exactly what I want to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. So again, watch, follow my example. And Paul says that in scripture as well. Uh, in Philippians, hey, whatever, whatever you saw in me or heard from me, do that. Yes. And that's not a cocky statement. He's not saying do everything like me because I'm the best. He's saying, no, be, be an imitator of me as I'm imitating Christ. And a few generations later, they can say, be an imitator of me as I imitated this guy, as he imitated that guy, you know, and we see that generationally among even the church fathers, you know, you see that. And, you know, you see John Polycarp Arrhenius, you know, and it goes down generation after generation. And I want to do that. But, I, but you're right. It, there needs to be intentionality about it. 
I, that's I what look, I think. That's what I think I'm not doing that I need to do. Okay. I look for things to, to see. I look for opportunities to see my children parenting well and say, way to go. I want oh. them to hear me say, you're a good parent. You did that well. You, that was a tough situation, but you responded well. You didn't raise your voice. You were patient when I might have gotten more upset than you are, but I, I'm really proud of you for the way that you're raising your kids. They need to hear that often from their mom yeah, that's and really dad cool. because it's not easy. Not easy <laughs> to raise kids. It, it, it is not. You're <laughs> correct, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah, you had praised my parenting earlier and you know I only have one secret to parenting and that's that I ask God all the time what I should do. And so wow. I cheat. Um, <laughs> I cheat and ask God because I don't know. Um, I mean, so, so, most people get a book when they become parents on how to parent, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I had never got mine. It got lost in the mail or something. So I've had to ask God for a lot of help, um, which he has done. He has been very gracious to do. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I've been following your example, Phil and Margaret's example, um, Stephen Elizabeth's example, that's Sarah's parents. Um, Steve is Karen's brother. Um, and they too, Paul, they retired, quote unquote, and decided that the next phase of their life was about their kids and grandkids. Mm -hmm. And so they moved across the country to where their kids and grandkids are. Yes. And, and, and I, I can't express how thankful I am to have my parents and Sarah's parents both here so that, and that's why we left the Air Force, actually. Mm. Um, six years ago, we left the Air Force. We were planning on being in the Air Force forever because they basically pay you to be a missionary and go to all these places and all these countries. And we're like, that sounds awesome. Um, and I didn't, never knew that Sarah was an, um, um, you, you said a major? She was major. She would have made light colonel um, if she had stayed in, but wow. we, we needed to leave because... We wanted our kids. So kids changed our entire life plan. We had a really fun life plan. Uh, I'm not saying kids ruin the fun. <laughs> if kids, if you're listening in the future, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, but altered. And, and everybody who has had kids knows this. Kids alter your priorities. Mm -hmm. And now I wanted my kids to be near their grandparents and their aunts and uncles. And many of them are here in the Twin Cities. And that became a bigger priority to us than the other things had been. And so, you know, switched careers, left, moved back to America as it was. Now at that point, I was then 36, jobless, living at my parents' house, broke, about to have baby number three. Wow. And so it, was, it wasn't the easiest choice or maybe wisest by the world standards. Um, but it was the right choice and God has more than blessed us, um, since then. Yes, and, and so I've, but now that Stephen Elizabeth, Sarah's parents are living here too, you know, seeing them and just really wanting to engage with the kids and being like, we haven't seen them enough. Can we, can we do a zoom chat and help Kaylee with her homework? Yes. So Steve's been helping Kaylee learn her states and capitals so she can, you know, graduate fourth grade and, and stuff like that. And it's just, ah, I was so blessed. We, we made the right call. We yep. made the right call moving back here for our kids because I want them. And like Bella, we were living with my parents when Bella was born. And so she had six parents in all honesty. 
because my mom and dad spent just as much time with the baby as we did. And so did my sister and her soon to be husband. Sure. And so, I mean, she was the most spoiled two year old by the time she got that age. Um, but it, you know, in a good way, uh, because she just had so much influence from everybody. And I wanted that. And I, I have, I have come to value it even more now that I've had it. Like I thought, I thought it was important and we wanted it, but now that we've tasted it, it's like we would never want anything else. I mean, I'd like to pay for all of our relatives to just move here if I could. (laughs) And if it was, you know, God's plan for them. Um, It's hard having relatives on the other side of the planet, you know, in scary countries doing scary stuff. But so I've seen this in my life, Paul, but I, but at the same time, I do see room for improvement and I do see that I need to become uh, more intentional about some yeah. of the stuff you're talking about. You and I are pastors at Lydia house and God has given us a wonderful flock to care for. Mm-hmm. And we have a single mom who is seeking to uh, pass the baton by giving her children what they need Mm-hmm. And uh, there have been some struggles, and we rejoiced with her recently when she said one of them just had an absolute turnaround, that yeah. God gave her grace to believe when it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And it actually, I was shocked. I was thankfully... Uh, I was surprised at the speed at which God answered those prayers. Yes. It was days. And so you may not have it. You may not have the kind of parents or, or grandparents I had. You may be the one starting this. You may be the one who's going to pass the baton. It wasn't handed off to you. They dropped the baton, and you had to pick it up, and you had to operate with a, a, a very difficult assignment, like our friend, single mom with two kids. That can be a tough uh, assignment. But God's grace is there for you in whatever your situation is. And if you are older and if you are considering retirement or in retirement, may I ask you to consider the possibility that you have some important things to pass on to the next generation. And if you say yes to that, God will give you that. It may be through your pastor. It may be through a neighbor. God will let you take responsibility for passing the baton in some way that you will share your testimony of where you have failed and where you have succeeded so that you can know that you are passing the baton and impacting the next generation. It's not just about you so that you back off and you retire and you enjoy your retirement and watch TV, not even close. You have an assignment and it's very important. And in fact, where did I... Well, you say something, I'm going to find a scripture. Well, I was going to just jump on that and say, when you get to heaven, you are not going to say, I wish I would have taken a few more vacations in my twilight years. Yeah. And seen some of those nicer beaches. You will not say that in heaven. Mm -hmm. Heaven is going to be so much better than any of that. But I hope you don't say, I wish I would have spent more time mentoring people. I wish I would have passed on more of what God gave me to people, to my own kids and grandkids, and to other people in church, to other people in the neighborhood, to people in the community. I, I hope you don't say that uh, because you do those things in your, in your retirement years. And 
I know many who are, and I commend you for it. I applaud you. Yes. Our time on this earth is very limited. It's very short. We need to use every second, every minute. Again, I'm not saying don't take vacations. We all need Sabbaths. We all need to be refreshed. Uh, and I'm not saying you didn't earn it, but fight against that American greedy kind of idea that I've deserved this, so darn it, I'm going to get mine and do it for me now for the last 20 years. Because now is when you have the most to give. Now is when you're the most valuable. It's true. And we are not talking only to married people. Yeah, absolutely. Paul passed the baton successfully. He was a father. We are talking about spiritual and physical fathers and mothers. If you are a mother, if you never married, you're a mother. You, you have children that are looking to you. And I love seeing 50-year-old, uh, 60-year-old women who either chose not to be married or it just didn't happen for them. And they are pouring out their life for others. Yep. It's powerful. I, I know a 90-year-old woman. Well, she's 94 now. Um, but at my previous church in Wisconsin, she was 90. Her husband had abandoned her many, many years ago. Many, many years ago. And she had learned to forgive and let go and give up bitterness and really start running for the Lord. And she was 90. And her only regret was that she hadn't started giving it away more when she was younger. But she, man, talk about hitting the tape on the run. She's talking to everybody she can. She's asking to do testimonies in church. She's asking to, to have special meetings and paying for food so that people can hear her, you know, talk and share what God has done in her life and what God can do in other people's lives. And she's looking for younger people to, to invest into. And I see that and I'm just like, that, that right there, that's it. Yes, yes. That is, that is it. That is how we're supposed to do it. And it's don't not make about your... us. It's yeah. about them. Don't make yourself an exception by saying, I don't think I could, because you can. God gives you grace. If you say a willing, I, I will, if you help me, if you even say that, God will give you the equipment that you need. Yep. He'll, he'll cause you to meet somebody, and you'll begin to pour in that person's life, and it'll be the, the most wonderful thing you've done. Yeah. I mean, I know another older lady, she, no kids, eighth grade education. Her, her, her list of, of accomplishments, her resume on earth looks lame, right? But in heaven, it's incredible. Yeah. Because she is investing in other people and expanding the kingdom of God in the ways that she can do. And in her case, it was Sunday school teaching. Mm -hmm. in children's ministry and really loving on those kids, some of whom weren't getting a lot of love in other places. So she was the only example of God in their life. Yeah. And so, I mean, her, her resume in heaven is stellar, right? Yeah. And so, and she's, again, we're talking, you know, between 80 and 90 years old. Wow. And so this, this, this is where we want to go, folks. <laughs> yeah. We, the American dream, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it more. But I think from a capitalistic societal point of view, it's great that anybody can achieve things in America. That's not true in all other countries. In history, that's almost never been true, that literally anybody can make something out of themselves. 
And so I think that is good. But I think the idea that the point of life is to accumulate and to acquire and to work hard so that you can then just party. I think that is bad. And because it's not in the Bible, it's the antithesis yeah. of the Bible. I mean, I think of Caleb, right? How old, how old would Caleb have been when they were about to cross the Jordan into the promised land? Like 80 years old? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I want the place at the top of the hill. Yeah. He's 80. Okay, he should ask for the, the first place on the other side of the river. I'm too old. Give me that place that I can see right there. That's my house. Okay, it looks like a nice vineyard area right by the river. It's going to be perfect. That's what I want. No stairs, please. I'm not saying it's bad if you don't want a house with stairs. I'm making fun of him. But no, opposite. Give me the place way up on the hill where there be giants. Literally giants. Goliath kin right there up on that hill. And he's like, that's the one I want right there. So 80, feisty, still trying to take ground and expand, analogy-wise, the kingdom of God. That's how I want to be when I'm 80. And you'll be there pretty soon, Paul. So I, I feel confident that that's how you will be when you're 80 as well. And that's the biblical example. I think there's a lot of them in the Bible that we, could, that we could address, but I think those are the examples we see, and it's not the way of the world. And I'd like to pray for our people who are yeah. hearing this, and, and uh, I want to pray, as I know you do, that this won't make anybody feel condemned, mm -hmm. but that it will make them feel uh, uh, excited about a potential if they hadn't thought about it, yep. that they could be used wonderfully, powerfully. And if you have questions about how to connect, we'd be glad to talk to you. I'd be glad to talk to you. Yep. I connect with a, a lot of young people, and I would love to share some of them with you. So uh, if you see yourself in that possible role of having breakfast with a couple young guys or young gals, we, we, we're open to talking to you. So, Father, let this be an encouragement to our friends who hear this, and that it doesn't discourage them to say, I could never do that, I could never be that. Give them strength to believe that you are able to work in them what they need to have to be able to pass on to the next generation what you have already given them and that they can see it not as a, a, a strange uh, situation way out there, but it's close to home, and it's an opportunity that they can step into. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's get, let's get back together next week and see where we go with this. It's a really good topic, Paul. I, my, my brain is just... Working and working on this. Yes. This is important stuff to think about. All right. God bless everybody. See you next week. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday. So tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.